The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Today, Bertie and Alex with you. Looking forward to continue in our study of John. What a study it is. I do want to say thanks to Jim Stanley for sitting in for two days. Uh, let me just tell you what I was doing. I was doing the grandfather thing. Yeah, Jan and I got to go and be with our, our grandchildren over in Alabama and spend some time with them, and we always enjoy it. By the way, while we're spending time with the grandchildren, we're also spending time with our son as well and our daughter-in-law. But it's the grandchildren. That's it. But we're looking at today, John 15. John chapter 15, and we're looking forward to it. And you and Jim finished chapter 14. Listen, I'm not sure there's any better, uh, anything better than I know than John 14 and 15. And they are just so powerful and so good that uh, we want to go over those and make sure that we know exactly what you would say. And again, John chapter 15 is, is so rich and so real that let me just start it off by reading part of that. And I think it will just set the stage for our study today. John 15, verse 1, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Mm. Jesus, the true vine. Yeah. Alex sounds like that anybody that tries to do something different than Jesus is yeah. not true. It's false. You, you know what? Um, I had a Boy Scout manual growing up. I was in the Boy Scouts and there were plants that uh, looked safe but weren't. You know, uh, <laughs> That's and, right. and one of the things to earn merit badges was the ability to identify certain trees, certain plants. Yeah. So Jesus, in terms of salvation, in terms of how to know God, Jesus is the true vine. But if there is a true vine, on the flip side, there are some false vines. And you can't help but see that. And But he t- noticed this combination, I am. Right, right. Again and again, is it seven times in the book or six or seven that Jesus talks about the great I ams? He yeah. is the I am. And here he is, I am the true vine. And as yeah. you said, not a false vine. Uh, speaking of vines, I just want to say you want to know the difference in something in poison oak and poison ivy. You want to know the difference oh, yeah. between that and, a, and ivy. You know That's that, right. You know, it's a different thing. So you want to know Jesus and there's ways that we can know Jesus. And matter of fact, I think chapter 15 will give us some ways that we can know that Jesus is the true vine. Well, let me read this. And again, it was an amazing thing that he would attribute to himself the I am statements of Scripture. And we get that again in verse 5 because, I mean, this is, uh, it harkens back to Exodus 3.14, the voice of the burning bush that Moses said, who shall I say sent me? I am. And for Jesus to appropriate the the term I am to himself, I mean, that was, I mean, that's part of why they wanted to take up stones and kill him, and then they wanted to crucify him. But uh, let me read this. It says uh, that my father is the, the vine dresser, the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that does not bear fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Bert, those four verses of John 15, every Christian needs to hear these. I need to hear these. Amen. They are a reminder for those of us who've been with Christ for years and years that we remain with him. Yeah. Uh, the word that's used in the King James and New King James uh, is a bit more profound than the word just remain. It is abide. Abiding has the idea of remaining, but also the whole idea of nourishment. In yeah. other words, the branch cannot produce separated from the vine. Right. They are they are intrinsically joined together. So when an individual comes to Christ through salvation, we are to abide in him. He abides in us. We abide in him. There's this relationship 
that is so unreal that we cannot even bear fruit apart from him. Yeah. Uh, the Bible talks about, let me see, it says wood, hay, and stubble. Yeah. And then it talks about precious stone and gold. And apart from him, all that we produce is wood, hay, and stubble, which burns up when it's tried by fire. Yeah. Uh, I was working on a bathroom. This is not a perfect analogy, but um, I took out an old faucet. It was old and corroded. I put in a new faucet. Now, that old faucet, I could turn the spigot and water would come out. But when I disconnected that from the water source, that that faucet wouldn't put out any more water. When you cut it off, huh? Exactly. (laughs) Now, the Bible talks about when we know God, uh, out from our belly will flow living water meaning that from our heart and our life, we share the gospel. We tell people how to be saved. Here's the thing. If you're not abiding in Jesus, you're like a faucet that can put out no water because you're disconnected from the source. Do you see what I mean? I do. And and later on, he'll go in verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, ye can do nothing. We need to remember that without the, the Lord Jesus being in our life, we're walking with Jesus, and I'm just going to say it, being part of an, a disciple is to be in church. You're missing out on something when you do, and you're going to be able to produce uh, by yourself as much as you would. Have you ever heard the word synergy? Uh, yeah. It's more, I have oh, energy. Yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. But yes. you have two, you get synergy. It's amazing what two can do. Uh, the other day, uh, my oldest son, Nathan, and I, that helps on Exploring, that is really the co-host of Exploring Missions, we were putting together a basketball goal. And uh, after we was through, we said, man, one man would have to have three arms to put this thing together, you know, <laughs> yeah. and it's still, that's impossible. I've had a few of those projects. Yeah. But, you know, having two, you had the synergy. You had to do it. And And here's what it is. If you're missing out in church, and then you're missing out on a small group of, of that you can really talk with and share with, pray with. Uh, that's the reason we, here at the end of the program, we do our best to get phone calls. And a lot of the phone calls are asking Bible questions, and some are talking about a need in their life. And we try to say, hey, that need is important. Would you join with us as we pray for that individual? So, Alex, uh, missing out on that is is just uh it's it's cutting yourself short yes. of what a disciple should be yes and i'm just going to say this and we'll get back to john 15 if you're not in church and i understand sometimes for extenuating circumstances i've got a one of my dearest friends in the ministry has been in in the hospital three months right at three months I understand things like that but look if you can go to church you ought to be in church because if you're not in church, you're going to drift. You just are. <laughs> Jesus sent them out two by two for a reason. He, he really And then did. guess what he would do? He would say, come back, and they would gather as a group and share what God has done yeah. so each individual could hear the other individual tell them what God had done. Amen. And do you think that would be a good small group, going oh. out and uh, telling what Jesus said and then coming back and sharing what he did? It, exactly. I mean, that just... Testimony time. That's exactly right. So the father prunes. And let me say this, um, pruning, Hebrews also talks about pruning and and chastisement may not be enjoyable at the moment, but God prunes lovingly and purposefully and actually gently that we would bear more fruit. He goes on in 6 through 8 talking about if we don't bear fruit, a branch that is unfruitful is thrown in the fire. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Bert, isn't it something that God is pleased when we bear much fruit? It is. And notice it goes from bearing fruit to bearing much fruit. When does it happen? It happens after we're pruned. Now, a lot of people are asking, why are godly people suffering? Can I tell you probably on earth, godly people will suffer more than the ungodly. Okay, can let me try to Please hopefully put elaborate. that together. 
we live in a fallen world, so it's going to rain on the just and the unjust. You know, it's, yeah. you remember the two that Jesus said, one man built his house on the rock, the other man built his house on the sand, talking about God and the other one just on secular. The same things happened to both of them. The winds came, the rains came, the floods came. Same thing. So you live in a fallen world. Secondly, you're going to reap what you sow. When I go wrong, you know, I, I'm going to reap the consequences. I, I know folks that were saved, but they had an accident. Guess what? They showed the scars from it. Just because as Christians did not mean they didn't get the effects of that wreck or that scar. Then you're also discipled. He disciples us. He disciplines us, which is even more so than getting what, you know, you sowed. But the fourth thing is pruning. We're pruned. Yeah. And, and you already said it. Pruning can be painful. And so here we are. We have at least a four-pronged, discomfortable life as a follower of Christ, whereas the lost man is not pruned. That's the true. lost man does not be discipled or disciplined. Now, he will reap the consequences of his sowing, and he does live in a fallen world. But he's not pruned, and he's not because Jesus said, whom he loves, he disciplines. Yes. If he doesn't discipline, you're illegitimate. You're not right. Yeah. And so here, if you're a Christian and you're wondering, Lord, why am I suffering so much? Why so much difficulty? Why much so much heartache is, is a part of this life? It's because you're living the Christian life, which is an amazing journey. Here's the last thing I say. I'll throw it back to you. For the Christian, this is bad as it gets. For the unbeliever, this is as good as it gets. Yeah. You, you know, I've had skeptics say to me, uh, heaven and hell are here on earth. You know, there's no real eternity. I heard a minister one time say, well, you know, maybe there is a, a, a nugget of truth if you think of it this way. This world is the only heaven the lost man will ever know, but this world is the only hell the Christians. Yeah. But don't be deceived, folks. There is a real heaven, the abode of God. Jesus says those who live and believe in me will be in heaven after they die. There's a, believe me, there's a real hell. The Bible warns God doesn't want you to go there. God loves you. But yes, the Bible says it's a place of fire and torment, but you can be saved and you'll go to heaven, not hell, by putting your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus makes it plain. He wants us to abide in him so we can bear much fruit. And what happens? Well, it makes it plain here that the Father is glorified. Amen. Isn't that our purpose, Alex? That's our purpose, isn't it? To give God the glory. Well, folks, Exploring the Word is going to be back after this brief break. We're in John 15, plus your calls and questions. The following is not an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management. The credit card debt happened when my daughter was born. I was using one credit card account to roll over into another credit card account, and it was snowballing. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. When I first called Trinity, the representative understood the need based on the situation. There were great people to work with. From the first phone call that I made, they had me on a track to mitigate the credit card debt. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. Working with Trinity gave me the ability to save thousands of dollars. My name's Doug, and thanks to Trinity, I'm debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. People often ask, if God loves us so much and has all that power, why do we still go through hard times? Dr. Tony Evans says there's an answer to that question, even though we may not like it. He'll tell us more as we spend two minutes with Tony. Why does God take his people through the wilderness? Where God leads you. He's in front of you, directing you into a dry spot. Dry financially, dry relationally, dry academically, dry emotionally, dry circumstantially, because that's the nature of the wilderness. In the wilderness, he has one lesson and one lesson alone. The lesson in the wilderness is you can't make it without me. I'm going to let you go hungry so that you know I'm the source of your food. 
I'm going to let you go thirsty so that you know I'm the source of your water. I'm going to let you not see things work out so that you are reminded you don't own a thing. And if it wasn't for me, you wouldn't eat, you wouldn't drink, your shoes would wear out, you would not make it if it were not for me. He says the wilderness is on purpose. And it's on purpose to position you with the right mentality. God knows our propensity to forget that we are stewards of what he gives. We are dependent on him. And so he sets up wilderness reminders. Learn why everything we have comes from God and what he wants us to do with it. Check out Tony's CD series, Kingdom Stewardship, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. Colossians 1, verse 13. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Here is a great verse from John 15. We're in John 15, verse 9. Jesus says, As the Father hath loved me, so I have loved you. Continue in my love. Well, Alex and Bert here, so honored that you're listening. And uh, we're in John 15. Bert, uh, we often say this when I uh, have the privilege of being in studio. There's just a little more energy. We can see each other and kind of read uh, body language and gestures and so. Angie and I got to Tupelo earlier today, and we're here in the Don Wildman Center for Cultural Renewal, this brand-new building that the Lord has provided, and it sure is good to be here live in the studio doing the show. Well, it is good to have you. I just got to ask you now, what time of the morning did you get up to be here in Tupelo for this uh, time? Well— We want to hear this. We we got up at 3 and— uh, A.M. A.M. Oh, uh, man. Yes. And, you know, I just wasn't sure the Lord ever intended people to be up at that hour, but (laughs) we did that to make it to the airport, and we flew from North Carolina, connected in Atlanta, and got to Memphis. And by the way, if you ever are down this way, generally the way we come in from the East Coast, we'll fly to Memphis, and then we'll drive to over across the state line to Tupelo. Well, it may be uh, a sure way anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tupelo has its advantages, and it's a, ble- a great place. And AFA, really AFR, is. we've been blessed to be here. We thank God for that. But there's something new going on today that we haven't done before. Uh, well, I think I know what that is, but tell us. It's called live streaming. Okay. That yeah. means that we are, you can see what we look like. Yeah. Now, there's, there's You may go- not want to see exactly. what we look like. Exactly. There may be a lot of moaning and groaning when they see this, but <laughs> you can go to streaming dot afa dot net that's streaming dot afa dot net and it's live streaming now yeah. alex uh you know that's going to put a lot of pressure on on me to try to look good every day uh, yeah i'm gonna to have to shave and comb my hair yeah well I, i'll do my best to do that now what's going to happen you're in the studio today and tomorrow but then you'll be on the road. But we're still going to work that out with live streaming. We're going to do it. Uh, and, you know, technology is a wonderful thing, you know. And and we need to be so excited about sharing the gospel here in the 21st century. And what a blessing that we have not only radio but live streaming. And I, I want to say this, and we'll get back to John 15. Um, every week I get probably 100 to 200 emails related to the show. And we we answer them. It takes a while. Uh, in fact, I've got in my briefcase uh, more correspondence from inmates that listen to the show. But do you know we have had people listening to Exploring the Word in the Middle East, many people in London and Europe that listen, lots and lots of Canadian listeners, and of course throughout all 50 states. And so 
isn't it a privilege that we can share the gospel it with is. people everywhere? It is. But I, I can only imagine what some people think. Who are those two southern boys? <laughs> and uh, that's who we are. You're North Carolina. I'm Mississippi. And uh, so anyway, but we're thankful that God would let us be connected with AFR. You and I talk about it quite often. Can we say, can you believe God's done this for us and with us? Amen. And uh, we're praying that God would do this work through you as well. Sit back and be amazed at what God can do. Amen. I, everybody says, man, those apostles or those disciples that were praying that Peter would be released, and when he was released, uh, they couldn't even believe it. They were doubting God. Well, I, I want to just tell you, that's not how I interpret I think, man, God is amazing. God is amazing that he could do that. And yeah. he is able, but I still think we need to have some amazement to it, uh, Alex, at what God, I'm the biggest amazement God could save me. I, Amen. I mean, uh, I saved when I was 12 years old, but I I heard a testimony yesterday at church, and they said if, if he hadn't have been saved, he said, I think I'd have been a religious bigot. Mm-hmm. And I thought that's what I would have probably done because I had enough uh, I don't know what you call common sense not to try some of the stuff that the world was doing. The reason I was, I was the youngest of nine, and I'd seen all my older siblings do stuff, and it just didn't pay off. Right. And so I said, I'm not going to go down that route, you know. But I'd have been so self-righteous. I'd, yeah. have, I'd have been saying, I'm as good as that guy over there. But God saved me and delivered me. And so, Alex, praise God. I, I'm still amazed at how God delivers sinners Amen. Amen. Well, and I'm going to make a statement that is going to probably sound a little unusual, but I want to encourage people, don't be content just to be saved. (laughs) Now, of course, that is the greatest gift of all, to know Jesus and, and to be saved. And, you know, eternity is not long enough to fully express gratitude to Jesus. But look, don't just say, okay, I'm saved and I'll do my thing, and decades from now, I'll die and go to heaven. No, bear fruit. John 15, he says, look, my Father is glorified that you bring forth fruit and much more fruit. Now, I was talking to Erwin Lutzer, one of the great Bible teachers, and we've had him on, and um, just one of the greatest uh, living Christian thinkers, in my opinion. And Erwin Lutzer said to me, he said, we need some Christians that believe God wants to use them to change history. He said, we need some Christians to play, to pray some history-changing prayers and to believe that when we witness to that neighbor or nephew or person at the grocery store or whomever, that that might be some Saul of Tarsus God is going to save that will change history. So, so friends, believe that God wants to bear f- fruit through you. And what he does, listen, yeah. he puts verse 10, it, it's not a misprint. It's not misplaced. It's in this thing about abiding and remaining and continuing in Christ. Right. To do that, it says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Obedience. You remember the old hymn, and I don't, if we need, if there's somebody that's musically, they need to rearrange it to get it sung more in our day because of not liking the way it was written originally. Trust and obey for to be happy in Jesus. For there's no other the way. way. Yeah. It's trust and obey. Yeah. And so I, I don't think things have changed since that hymn was written. No. That we trust him. In, does trust bring about obedience? It should, should it not? Well, Speaking of trust and obey, look at verse 14. Read that if you would, Bert. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Trust and obey. Now, I'm going to throw this 180 degrees out of phase. You are not his friends if you (laughs) won't do what he commanded. Listen, that putting some pressure on some people who are listening today. Uh, Listen. We are not free to live our own lives the way we desire to live them. You have been bought with a price. Therefore, do what? Glorify, glorify God. God. In that, your mortal body. Exactly. That goes back to verse 8. By this, my Father is glorified. What's the purpose of man is to know him and to glorify him, yeah. Alex? That's simply put. It, it is. Do you know, there's a great song. Okay, Bob Dylan. I'm not 
saying I endorse everything he ever said or did, but he became a Christian, and we know Dr. Michael Brown, and Dr. Brown uh, says, yes, Bob Dylan is definitely a Christian. Uh, but here's the thing. About 1978, Bob Dylan had a song. It's a beautiful song. you got to watch it on YouTube. What can I do for you? And it basically says, Jesus, you've done everything for me. Now, what could I do for you? Now, he goes on. Jesus says he obeyed the Father's commandments. Remember, Jesus uh, was baptized. Jesus was circumcised in the temple. And Jesus said that it was to fulfill all righteousness. So maybe you maybe you like that song. You said, well, what, what does Jesus want me to do? What could I do in gratitude to Jesus? Look at verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. All right, I've counseled more people, and I'll say, are you a Christian? Yes. Uh, where do you go to church? I don't go to church. We got sideways with the church years ago, and I, I just never got past that. Look, we are to obey the Lord. Verse 14, Jesus says, you're my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. And what has Jesus commanded? Well, among other things, verse 12, that you love one another. Here's my commandment, says Jesus. And I want to say this, uh, as a born-again believer, we who have been forgiven should be quick to forgive. I mean, we've got to. And then in John 13, which we passed several days ago, Jesus said, you know, by by this will all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. And i got to say, folks, if we... And I don't mean just this mushy, sloppy agape, you know, like J. Vernon McGee would say. No, we genuinely care about people, and we love each other. We tell people the truth. Um, I, I believe it will draw a lost world like a magnet if we are a place of grace and truth. Amen, that grace and truth. Last night, uh, my wife and I were at a musical a christmas musical at auburn baptist church here in tupelo where i'm interim pastor and uh they were singing and there was some people sharing and it was it was the whole idea truth and grace grace and truth truth which one is the most important listen you don't want one without the other yeah you do not want the one without the other yes i'm a sinner i'm lost horrible but the grace of god looked beyond my fault and saw my need for that grace need truth to hold me steady, or it's like jello throwing it on the wall. Yeah. It just does nothing. And so grace and truth. Now listen to this. There's two words that are two of the most important words in discipleship that you've ever heard. Listen to this. Greater love has no one than a man lay down his life for his own friend. Now that's good. But like you said, the verse that precedes that, that you love what? One another. Alex? One another appears in the Bible dozens of times. Care for one another. Pray for one another. Love one another. As a follower of Jesus Christ, and there's other followers of Jesus Christ, that means we're related. That means we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And so does brothers and sisters, uh, you had a sister, right? I do have a sister. Still do. Praise God. Okay, man. Well, I, I, I still have two, but I had six to start out with and two brothers. I'm the youngest wow. of mine. Wow. And I, I just tell you, sometimes brothers and sisters can <laughs> get crossways with one another. Yes. But they're, guess what? They're still Family. brothers and stan. Yeah, that's right. Amen. And so we're to love one another. Uh, you might not like them as they are, but love them. Love them. Jesus loved us. <laughs> Let me just say, do you think there was a lot to love about <laughs> the apostle Peter when Jesus found that guy as a fisherman? I mean, he's kind of egotistical, proud, and yeah. boastful, and arrogant. Did he fit all those categories? Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, God and Jesus chose to love him? And, <sighs> and many gospel songs have talked about he saw what I could be. You know, he looked beyond my faults and saw my needs, and Jesus looked at me where I was, but he saw where I could be. And you know what? Uh, It's such a beautiful thing because, um, and I want to get back to this text, but look, as human beings, we want things for ourselves. We we have desires. We have, you know, things that we hope to do, and we we want things for ourselves. The best you, the real you, 
your true identity, you can find it, but you'll only find it with Jesus as the head of your life. And that's one of the beautiful things about church. I mean, in church, I found salvation. I I had a sense of identity and purpose. I found my spouse. Uh, But look, if you feel like there's an empty part of you, it's like, you know, I just, I've lived my life, I work. You know, what is this thing all about? You're going to find out what life is truly about, and you're going to find joy. You're going to find fulfillment. You're going to be, for lack of a better word, Bert, I'm going to say satisfied. When Jesus is number one in all that you are about. Is there that longing, that hole in our heart that only can be satisfied by Jesus Christ? Yes. There is. Now listen to that. With that in mind, verse 15, because we love one another, because we're obedient to the Lord, obeying his commandments, listen to verse 15. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. Mm. Friends, are you a friend of God? Wow. Listen, they're servants, yeah. And we're to serve the Lord, serve the Lord with gladness. We're quoting a lot of songs these days. I know. Serve the Lord with gladness in all your works and ways, but being a friend, I'm a friend of God. That is amazing that God would call us friends. Go back to the Old Testament, and there's very few of that that had that, I would say, their commentary, their title. But he says, I call you friends because you know what I'm doing. You know what I'm about. And you... Here's well, this the good is, part. Yeah. We can join him. Well, and he says, friends, for all things I have heard of my father, I've made known unto you. <laughs> yes. That's just amazing that we are privy to what's going on in the world and how um, history is going to play out and future things. And Is that a biblical worldview? It is a biblical so, worldview. So to be a biblical worldviewer. Yeah, you need to become a friend of God to be, you know, yeah. you and, catch what I'm saying. And let me just say in this crazy 21st century world, one of the ways that you don't get a stomach ulcer uh, and you don't. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to fret and be paranoid about the state of the world is. I mean, I'm I'm sad that much of the world is the way it is nowadays, but we can pray, we can proclaim truth. But ultimately, because I believe what the son of God has shown the human race look God's in control and as I belong to Jesus it's all going to turn out all right and you know him I trust in him there's no other way we're going to take phone calls in the last segment that phone number 888-589-8840 888-589-8840 so they asked me to enter my email address And the next thing I know, I start getting emails from companies I never even knew existed. What's up with that? Here at the American Family Association, you have our word that we won't give away, sell, or lease your email address to any other organization or company. We're thankful when you take the time to subscribe to AFA Action Alerts, One Million Moms, Engage Magazine, or any of our other online newsletters. Can we trust the Bible? He says, we saw this. And that sets the Bible apart from almost everything else in the ancient world and its religious pantheon of gods and goddesses. The God Who Speaks, the important documentary from the American Family Association, is now available to watch for free on AFA's brand new streaming platform. Go to thegodwhospeaks.org to watch this award-winning film today. Thegodwhospeaks.org. And my father, your great-grandfather, fought in World War II. Really? He was a gunner on the big ship out in the Pacific Ocean. Wow. Your great-grandmother did her part, too. Was she on a ship? Oh, no. She stayed back home. She and a lot of her friends worked really hard in a factory because the men had gone off to war. And they held scrap metal drives to help in the war effort. The folks back home were heroes, too. Here at the American Family Association, we consider you the heroes back home. As you fulfill your responsibility of caring for your family day to day, your partnership with us is crucial as we fight the enemies of freedom in America. 
Thank you for your commitment to the American Family Association. Grandpa, what's a scrap metal drive? Let's get some cookies, and I'll tell you all about it. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. These words were shared between Cleopas and his companion on the seven-mile walk from Jerusalem to Emmaus as Jesus, in resurrected form, used the Hebrew scriptures to reveal himself to them as the Messiah. There are at least 109 distinct biblical prophecies the Messiah had to fulfill. The mathematical probability of such a feat occurring is astoundingly absurd, yet that absurdity is satisfied in Jesus, the Messiah. Come, let us adore Him. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner. For more, from Abraham Hamilton III, Public Policy Analyst for the American Family Association. John chapter 15 tomorrow, but right now is the part on Exploring the Word where we take your calls and Bible questions. The number is 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. Bert, I want to say a quick word, though, about something next summer. Now, I know you might not be thinking yet about the summer of 2023 but six or seven months away exactly it's closing in already hey listen i would cordially invite you to join us at the cove the billy graham training center in western north carolina it's called the cove the website is thecove.org t-h-e-c-o-v-e uh angie and i will be there july 7 through 9 i'll be finishing up my study of first and second peter we're going to go through second peter and the theme is called thriving till he comes and it it fills up please join us the cove is amazing we'll tell you more about it but in the meantime check it out thecove.org just uh, search for my name on there and maybe next july 7 through 9 you'll join us i tell folks when you go to the cove and hear alex you get a double blessing you get to hear alex a blessing and i'd say that uh you know with all sincerity the other is just being at the cove and so yeah. uh, it's a place, there's not many places like that where you drive up on the campus and you feel the presence of the Lord. Big the Cove time. has that. And uh, so Billy it's, Graham it's and Ruth prayer walked over those hillsides. Amen. And it's powerful. Well, let's go to some questions again. That number is 888-589-8840. Where, where should we go first? We're going to Texas and talk to Mark. Welcome, Mark. Yes, sir. Uh, my question is about Bible, the Bible, uh, which I have difficulty sometimes. When, when do we take it literally, and when do we have to interpret what it says? Because it feels to me when a preacher interprets it, he interprets it to suit his desired narrative versus what it really means. Okay, Mark. Great question. That's a great question. Let me let's let's qualify what literal is because that right. really does need to be. I I understand kind of that when Jesus says, "I am the door." Yeah. He, what is that? It's not a literal wooden metal door. Right. It is a passageway. I am the way in, but interpreting it literally does not say he's the door, but it does mean that he, you interpret it that he is the way. Yeah. Uh, there's not another way. So you interpret that literally. Now, Alex, are there some scriptures there that are, I, I would say they're visions, and John didn't know exactly how to interpret them in the book of Revelation, when, and he called them certain things. It was a vision, so he did it to describe. He was literally doing that. Uh, so, But to do it personally, the Bible says that the Bible is not of any man's personal interpretation. You can't make it say what you want it to. You got to take the history. You got to take the the wording, yeah. the grammar, grammatical, historical, 
definition of the scripture to take it literally. Well, um, I want to give something that that might be helpful. In 1980, uh, there were a group of very respected scholars like R.C. Sproul and Norm Geisler and different ones, and they they met in Chicago to talk about how to state for a brand-new generation that the Bible is the inerrant Word of God, and they had something called the ICBI Council, the International Council on Biblical Inerrancy. Now, they put out a statement called the Chicago Statement on Biblical Inerrancy. I'll come back to that. But they also put out something called the Chicago Statement on Biblical Hermeneutics. Now, hermeneutics is how we handle the Word of God. And the callers said sometimes preachers interpret to suit their own you know, agenda. Uh, we, we shouldn't do that because I do believe the Bible is literal truth absolutely literal truth because God cannot lie. But there, like you said, there is um, symbolic language. Jesus says, I'm the true vine. Well, we know he's not a plant, but he meant being in me was the true way to heaven. So here are some things to keep in mind. Look at the context, the historical setting, because some things were to Israel in the Old Testament, you know, go into the land and possess the holy land. Well, that's not for me to do right now. That was for Israel to possess that holy land. And then there are things that are prophetical, you know, talking about future things. But I think um, to the caller's question, the the things that we personally appropriate for ourselves are things about our relationship to God. Right. We come by faith in Jesus. We we turn from sin to Christ. We grow and we learn how to pray. We understand that he is Lord and we are the followers. Um, we, I, I do think we can absolutely appropriate for ourselves all those verses about encouragement. He will never leave us or forsake us. Um, the, the, the church's role in the world to uh, cover the the earth with the knowledge of the Lord like the waters cover the sea. But you'll find it online, the Chicago Statement on Biblical Hermeneutics. Now, this is deep, but it might be a help to understand literal truth, but sometimes conveyed with symbolic language. Literal means it was we interpret it as best as we can see it was given. The way it was given, the historical the grammatical, the whole gamut of that we take in and we try to know the scriptures through through that, not through yeah. our own interpretation, not what I want to make it to say. Uh, I, I think you'll come out ahead when you try to do that, Alex. Yeah. I really do. Thank you so much, Mark. Let's go to Illinois and talk to James. Welcome, James. Hey, uh, thanks for taking my call. So my question is uh, I often hear pastors say, uh, we can't do good without God. Like, we need Jesus for absolutely everything. And it just confuses me because doesn't that mean that total depravity would be true? And I thought that was something that Calvinists believe. But um, so my question is, can we do good without Jesus? Uh, yeah. Let me speak to that Go ahead. for a second. Go ahead. Um, th- great question. I had an atheist ask me this at, at a debate a couple of years ago in Colorado. There was a, a a lady from a local atheist club, and she said, um, you know, because I said, we, we don't have any righteousness in and of ourselves apart from Christ. And she said, are you saying that atheists can't do moral things? And I said, no, I'm not saying that. Atheists can be moral. So good things, Augustine would say that something is good if it is in harmony with the character and nature of God, um, helping a neighbor being kind to people, being truthful. Those are all good things because they obviously comport with the nature of God. We can do good things, legitimately good things, apart from Jesus. But you can do great things and be unsaved. So you'll never be declared righteous in the sight of God unless you have a relationship with Jesus. And then that's when your life really does begin to count for eternity, doesn't it, Bert? It really does. In Matthew 7, where Jesus was ending up his Sermon on the Mount, uh, the person comes in, have we not done this, done this, done this? Jesus did not deny they had done that. 
Very good. Matthew 7, 21 through but 24. He, but he said, I never knew you. Right. In other words, doing good is possible in, in our nature. Philanthropic. Yes. But that goodness never propels us sufficient enough to go to heaven on our own. Yeah. That is the whole idea. That's the whole idea. Depravity, it does not mean that every person is going to be that reprobate that you find in Romans. Okay? Right. Right. It, it talks about that, right, in right. Romans. But it does mean that we are unable within ourselves to do enough to have heaven yeah. and to be right with God. Yeah. Okay. Thank that, you. That's a great question. It is a great question. We appreciate that, James. Let's go to Louisiana and talk to Roxy. Roxy, welcome. Hello. Yes, you're on. Thank you for calling today. Welcome. Oh, thank you for taking my call. So my question was, um, if you're addicted to cigarettes and you're trying to quit, um, but you fail many times, is it true that it's a purposeful sin and that you can't go to heaven for stuff like that? Okay, Roxy. Listen, that is a habit. It's a habit that can be overcome, but it's not a habit that sends you to hell. But it does mean you are dependent upon him. And uh, listen, I, I don't know how to tell you to overcome that in your life, but it is not just because you smoke does not mean smoke cigarettes, right. whatever. Uh, it's not a sin that sends you to hell, is it, Alex? No. And, and let me say this for just a moment. Uh, forget about the cigarette problem for just a moment. Uh, and it's a problem, and I hope that you can quit that. But when you put your faith in Jesus, uh, you're in Christ. The Bible says positionally you're in Christ. And, and listen, there's Christian birth, and that's the moment you put your faith in Jesus. And you say, Lord, I believe in you. Please wash my sins away. Save me. And you're in Christ and the Bible says that if we have put our faith in Jesus, we can be confident and know that we have eternal life, 1 John 5, 13. But regarding that habit, um, let me encourage you to seriously pray about that and, and realize that one of the ways that we show Jesus' lordship is that we try to let him have control of our body. And there are different things. Philippians 4, 8 if anything is good and noble and true, think on these things. I will say this, um, regardless of, of any bad habit or being having an addiction, they, they say it has to be replaced with something yeah, else. It's the principle of replacement. You find it. He replaces death with life, darkness with light. He replaces all of those so he can replace that addiction. Now, what you don't want to do, you don't want to replace it with another addiction. Right, you right. Want to, I, I've known some people that swapped out smoking for overeating and, and different things. No, you replace it with the power of the Spirit of God. The Bible says he's given us everything we need for life and godliness in this present world. So I want to say, Roxy, get some accountability from a friend. Uh, get all the cigarette, tobacco, get it out of your house. Go away. And what you do when you walk into the store where you usually buy it, don't go buy it. Stay away from it as best you can. Uh, I did that. I, we started, uh, re, you know, recovery in ours, uh, yeah. celebrate recovery in our church. And uh, most of that was alcohol and drugs. And I, I didn't have an issue with tobacco. I had an issue with Coca-Colas, okay? I had now, again, that's the only thing I knew. I thought I had to have two or three a day, you know, Cokes and, and uh, crackers with peanut butter. And so for three years, I said, I'm going to do away with that so I can halfway understand what our people that are struggling with this is going through. What I had to do was keep it out of the house. And then when I'd go to a store, I would stay away from that area where the, you would sell the Cokes. I just stayed away from it. And so God can give you the strength to do that, Roxy. We're going to pray for her right now. Yes. Father, I pray for Roxy that she would be more than a conqueror, that she would overcome the addiction, that she has trusted Christ as Savior. That's first and foremost. But she has obviously been convicted that this is not right. And so, God, I pray for deliverance, and I pray for the victory in her life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Roxy, so much. We want to go to Tennessee, and it, is it Jagger? 
Jagger? Yes, sir. You're on, brother. Go right ahead. Thank you. That's an unusual name. So, anyway, that's the reason I was – I didn't want to say it wrong, but it's good. Welcome, brother. Thank you. Uh, yes, sir. My uh, my question is I'm, I'm only 20 years old, and I've been struggling all my life with keeping in the Word of God, and I am saved. I just continuously find it hard to stay in the Word. Like, my mind is – my mind wants me to continue getting in the Word of God, but my heart is fighting it, and I don't know how to keep my desire, the flame. I don't know how to keep it lit, keep it going, because it's like I can be good for a week, and then the smallest thing happens, and my mind just loses track, and I completely forget about reading my Bible. I mean, I pray every day. I don't forget that, but I, I forget to read the Bible and stay in the Word of God, and it, I feel disappointed in myself, and sometimes I feel like some of the things that go on in my life are punishment for me not staying in the Word of God. Mm. Hey, this is Alex. It's it's an honor to speak with you. Let me ask you this, if you don't mind. Um, are are you consistently a part of a local church? Are you are you in church, brother? Uh, yes, sir. I am. Um, I'm not able to go consistently due to the way that my life is set up right now. I only have one vehicle, and my girlfriend has to use it to go back and forth to work, and I have to stay home and take care of the house and stuff because I'm not able to work right now. Right. Uh, hey. I love you, man. I'm just trying to help you. Are you living with your girlfriend? No, sir. We have a place together. Yeah, okay. Well, is there, because I'm talking about desire for the Word of God and being consistently in the Scripture, is there is there a sin in your life that you know you shouldn't be doing, but you are doing? And you don't have to be specific, but, I mean, just yes or no, is there a part of your life that's not really relinquished to, and the reason I say this is because it said, look, sin will keep you from the word or the word will keep you from sin. And if you're, you know, you need to desire the word, but you find it hard to do that. If there's unconfessing in your life, uh, the flesh will be dominant and you're not going to desire the word. Uh, so is, is there a part of your life that you know is sin, but you haven't been able to fully let go of it yet to your knowledge? Yes, sir. It's, uh, it's got a lot to do with anger. Wow. Uh, Let me, let's say this, Jagger. What you want to do, you start where you are. You're trying to get somewhere that you're not right now. And the Bible says in Hebrews, if you want to run this race, you've got to put off all those things that easily beset you, weight you down. And what Alex is saying, these sins that I commit, Alex, you commit, the Word of God is not going to be as rich as it is when we overcome those sins. We need to confess them and take and get them out of our lives as best we can. Brother, we and many listeners, we're going to covenant promise to pray for you. Uh, folks, we're going to pick it up again tomorrow. We'll be in the second half of John chapter 15. I want to thank all of you for listening, for calling in. Uh, it's Christmas season. What a joyful time. We celebrate the coming of our Savior, Jesus. So join us again tomorrow on Exploring the Word. This show is archived at AFR.net. You can share this and other shows with others. Do me a favor. Tell somebody about Exploring the Word, but most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.